cars that I met when I was in Chad last year. I think most of you know I spent four months on an MCC alternative assignment in Chad from August through November. So last year, uh, it was just a month from now that I left to start that time. Uh, As Judy mentioned, in terms of the weather, this is reasonable, although the humidity level would be dramatically uh, different. But actually today, it will be hotter in Lancaster than it is in Jemena. So you can uh, rest assured that uh, we're in good company uh, weather-wise. I would like to invite anyone who can't see the screen very well to move somewhere where they can see the screen well. If children would like to move to the front, you are most welcome. Please come. There are many images to look at. You can probably see more detail if you're up here. So adults, children, anyone who wants to move closer so they can see well, uh, please do that now. For those of you who were here during the prelude, you saw a choir, the women's choir of the Njadi uh, congregation of what's called the EFLT L'Église Fraternelle Lutherienne au Tchad, the Lutheran Brethren Church. Who in this congregation has heard of the Lutheran Brethren denomination before? It's based in Minnesota, has just a shade over 100 congregations in North America, and about 1,500 congregations in Cameroon and Chad, and they actually said Japan and Taiwan when I looked on their website too. So one of these churches, which is not all that unusual nowadays, the Mennonite church is like that, more Mennonite Christians in the Southern Hemisphere than in uh, the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and I should say that that choir you'll be hearing again uh, during, the, uh, during the offertory. Uh, and by the way, um, that denomination, the Lutheran Brethren denomination, were the first Protestant Christians to go to Chad, and that's less than 100 years ago. Uh, in some African countries, Christian missionaries arrived very early, uh, in some cases centuries earlier than that with the Catholic Church. I also ran into a priest in Jemena while I was there who said that Chad is the last country in Africa where the Catholic Church arrived. So Christianity is young uh, in, uh, in Chad. So nobody moved, so I assume you can all see well from where you are. Don't complain to me later if you can't see well. Judy mentioned that uh, today or this Sunday is the closest Sunday to July 4th when the United States celebrates independence. Uh, yesterday was the 30th of June. Anne and I, and the kids were born in Congo. Anne and I lived in Congo for eight years. And uh, yesterday, the 30th of June, is Congolese Independence Day since 1960. And so we celebrate that. Today is Canada Day. Anne and I are Canadians. That doesn't exactly celebrate independence. You can ask Anne what it does celebrate. <laughs> And Chad's independence is on the 11th of August, so early in my time, just 10 days after I arrived there, we celebrated Chad's independence. Anne and I were at an event in November uh, where uh, there was a big sign on the wall, and I'll talk about that event later, that said, J'aime mon pays, I love my country. Uh, Chad is a country of about 15 uh, million people, a little bit less, and actually very close to the population of the state of Pennsylvania. I looked that up to do a little comparison. However... Chad is 10 times the surface area of Pennsylvania. So that speaks a little bit to population density. And part of that, this is the map uh, of Chad with the flag superimposed. Chad is kind of divided into three, uh, three uh, areas from north to south. Um, the top third is essentially the Sahara Desert. The middle third is what's called the Sahel, and that stretches across Africa pretty much from east to west. Uh, and that's kind of the southern fringe of the Sahara Desert, uh, increasingly arid as you go north. 
And then the southern third of Chad actually felt very much like Congo did, uh, tropical, a lot more rain, much more green. And so a very diverse country and a country facing enormous uh, challenges as well. The life expectancy in Chad is essentially my age right now, 52. Uh, Chad is also a country that has the highest climate vulnerability in the world. A study that I read right before going last summer said this, of the 186 countries assessed in a recent survey of climate vulnerability, Chad was rated most in peril. A combination of high poverty, frequent conflicts, and the risk of both droughts and floods means the Central African nation is bottom of the list in climate vulnerability. And then also, uh, this is actually a book that Bob and Judy Zimmerman Hirsch shared with me about 10 years ago where an author, Paul Collier, describes what he calls four traps that countries fall into that face big challenges. And one of those traps he refers to as landlocked with bad neighbors. I don't know how many of you can, can imagine the Chad, um, uh, Chad in the middle of Africa. These are Chad's neighbors. So you can decide if they deal with being landlocked. They definitely are landlocked with bad neighbors. To the north is Libya. To the east is Sudan. To the south is the Central African Republic, which most Americans know very little about. Suffice it to say that the border between Chad and Central African Republic is closed. Uh, to the southwest is Cameroon, which is a critical uh, commercial uh, sort of a port to the ocean for, for Chad. And then uh, Nigeria, and the part of Nigeria that is home to Boko Haram, and finally Niger uh, to the west. So I think Chad fits the, uh, fits the bill of a country that's landlocked with bad neighbors. So a country full of challenges, about as many people as Pennsylvania, ten times the size, desert, Sahel, tropical, all in one country. And yet people say, j'aime mon pays, and our experience uh, for both Anne and myself was that people are proud of who they are as Chadians. And I think we all need to remember that. Sometimes we look at people in other parts of the world and maybe feel sorry for them. Uh, we all face our challenges. We have some of our own uh, here in the United States and in Canada, I must say. Um, but let's remember that people are proud of who they are. And we met many proud people. And I want to invite you today to join me on a bit of a tour through a constellation. I want to share with you about some of the stars uh, that I met on my time last year uh, in Chad. So uh, Janice read the Philippians 2 passage for us, which is pretty well known. It contains the Christ hymn that she read, and I'm actually going to invite you to join me in reading that together. Um, That first part of Philippians 2 uh, in my Bible says, imitating Christ's humility at the top. And then the next section, of course, is where we're called on to shine like stars in the world. A little bit, can feel a little bit of a a juxtaposition between this imitation of humility, of Christ's humility, and shining like stars in the world. But I think they're connected through imitating Christ's humility and what that means, we do indeed uh, shine like stars uh, in the world. So I want to tell you some stories of people who shone for me in Chad in this last year. Uh, When I think of stars, of people around us, I think of those who motivate and inspire And as I share these stories of people I was privileged to meet over the last uh, or four months last year in Chad, I'd invite you to reflect at the same time, who are those stars that shine in your world? It might be someone from the Bible, one of the biblical stories. 
It could be an historical figure who, who did something amazing that motivates and inspires you. And it could be someone who you only have to crane your neck a little bit to see right down the pew. I think there are stars among us, and we're also called on to be stars. So how can we imitate Christ's humility? Here's one of the ways that we can imitate Christ's humility. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The first person I want to share about today is Victor Dogel. Uh, this isn't a great photo for you to see him, but he's there in gray, uh, leading a training on trauma healing. Victor is a pastor, and he's also the director of the Ethics, Peace, and Justice Department of the Protestant Church Council in Chad. Uh, we, MCC, has partnered with the Protestant Church Council for many years, uh, doing uh, primarily interfaith peace work. Uh, in Chad. One of the things I didn't mention about Chad is Chad has many Christians, primarily in the south, and many Muslims, primarily in the north, although the entire country has some level uh, of mixing as well. And yet Chad has been pretty free from the kind of religious violence, or at least religious motivated violence, all of these conflicts are complex, uh, that some of its neighboring countries uh, have experienced. And part of that is because of the work that uh, Emmet has been doing, the Ethics, Peace, and Justice Department, in pulling together leaders, in pulling together young people, and in pulling together women uh, across Catholic, Protestant, and Muslim communities across the country of Chad. And Victor is a leader in that, a gifted trainer. Um, and again, they, what they have there is something that's powerful compared to the countries around it, those bad neighbors that we referred to earlier. So for me, Victor is someone who shines like a star. The event that Anne and I went to where I mentioned we saw that sign on the wall, big sign on the wall, uh, I love my country, um, was this event, which was an interconfessional day for peace, the seventh annual event. Uh, Emmet, the Protestant Church Council, uh, was instrumental in getting this started. Um, If you can read it well at the top there, you can see that it's the three groups, the Catholic Church, the Superior Council of Islamic Affairs, and the Protestant Church in Chad, which come together to host this every year. Uh, This is considered an important enough event that the head of state, uh, President Debbie, does all he can uh, to be present. He was there at this event uh, that we attended. And so this is a case where Christians in Chad are reaching out across religious lines, which can be significant divides uh, in all parts uh, of the world. And yet the Protestant Church Council, through people like Victor and other staff, are reaching across those divides to people who share the value of peace. And the value of peace is shared uh, by many. And so we find here Catholics, Protestants, and Muslims uh, being of one mind in working for peace together as people reach out across lines of division. This is an image of us at that event. Um, Perhaps one of the most startling aspects of this is that I'm wearing a tie, but if the head of state, uh, if the head of state is there, I thought that I would at least be somewhat uh, respectful. Uh, in this image, you have a, a colleague, uh, Moltong Lagardi with MCC Chad, the new rep in uh, Chad, Jean-Claude Mpundwa, Anne and myself, and then uh, they were the area directors for MCC Central and West Africa at the time, uh, Ben and Beth Weisbrod. Um, so we attended this this marvelous event where people came together and we're of one mind in saying that peace is a value that we share. Being part of something bigger 
that brings people together across religious divides and valuing uh, that difference. Philippians 2.3 then says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. In the middle of this photo is Mohammed Abakar. Mohammed is the co-director of the Association for the Promotion of Education, uh, an MCC partner. Uh, Mohammed uh, had a dream of coming back to his home community where he did some of his growing up. Although his family was also affected by displacement, he did much of his growing up in neighboring uh, Sudan because of displacement, displacement of his family. Um, and then he ended up, he was a young man who was very interested in education, but his father was not so interested in education. Uh, now he grew up, you can see by his name, that he grew up uh, Muslim, and so he did go to Quranic school and performed very well such that he became sort of the assistant to their Quranic uh, instructor. And through a relative, I think it was through an uncle, uh, Muhammad's father was convinced that he should go to school. And Muhammad eventually pursued uh, post-secondary education both in Chad and in the United Kingdom. He's now a lawyer and lectures in law uh, in Jemena, the capital city uh, of Chad. And yet he had a dream and a heart for his home community. And so he started this organization called the Association for the Promotion of Education uh, that started has started two schools in the community and also has worked at access to water. And MCC has been privileged to partner uh, with Mohammed uh, on this dream. You can see uh, Anne and Jean-Claude here. Uh, uh, Mohammed is showing them a book. One of the unique things about this school, and by the way, there was no school in this community uh, before Mohammed's dream uh, became reality. So this is the first school uh, in this community. Most children in Africa, when they go to school, they're not only learning the content in grade one or kindergarten, they're also learning a new language. Uh, Chad was a French colony, and so the language of instruction in most schools in Chad from day one is French. And virtually no one in Chad speaks French at home. And so children are learning the content and a language at the same time. The educators among us can probably attest to the fact that that makes for a pretty high hurdle to early learning. And so Mohammed said, you know, we want to value our local culture here in this community, and so we are going to teach at the youngest grades in their local language, Dazaga. And so the book that they're looking at here is a book, some of the materials they've been able to develop uh, in Dazaga so that children can come into school at the youngest ages and learn in their mother tongue. Uh, French is a course immediately from the earliest grades, and then eventually uh, French becomes the language of instruction. So access to education is part of uh, Mohammed's uh, dream and part of what he's been able to do. And I would say Mohammed, too, has sort of humbled himself as someone who has studied in Europe, is a lawyer, lectures in law in Jemena, to come back to his humble community uh, and make a positive difference. I mentioned that access to water is part of what Mohammed uh, and his organization are working on. Uh, you can see here a well that's under construction. Uh, Anne said you better watch out if you walk through that area in the dark at night. Um, Mohammed is here, and he's describing uh, some of the aspects of putting the well uh, in the community. We went to another well that is complete where people are drawing water uh, for their animals, which is critical. These are pastoralists. You can see what the countryside looks like there. No crops are grown there. Uh, people raise animals, uh, cattle, uh, camels, goats, and sheep, etc. 
Uh, and so access to water, of course, uh, one of the things we need uh, for life is part of what uh, Mohammed and his organization have been able to do. This community, by the way, is about eight hours uh, north of Jamena, a very dry uh, community. And you know, it's interesting. We're, we're talking about shining like stars in the world. For us as Christians, the call on us is to, it's just to reflect the light of Christ. Um, Muhammad grew up Muslim, but I would say right now, in conversation with him, he's pretty skeptical about religion, whether that's Islam or Christianity, as he has seen what that means in his own uh, country. But he certainly values things, that we share values. And he actually said to me that there are things about Anabaptism that he finds very intriguing. Uh, and so, you know, we're all on a journey together and working uh, together. And uh, sometimes I share some of Muhammad's skepticism about uh, how religion works uh, in the world. But I think through Muhammad's dream for his community, I think he too uh, shines like a star. Sometimes one star can help another star uh, to flourish. And that would be the case for Bila, who you see here, a teacher in this community where we've been, uh, the images you've seen with uh, Mohammed. Uh, Bila is a teacher now in the school. She does teach in the local language of Jazaga. She's a local young woman. She's 18 uh, years old. And when the school opened four years ago, she was one of the first students uh, in the school. Again, there had never been a school in this community before. For girls to have access to education, and even anyone to have access to education, uh, is a big deal uh, in this community. So she was one of the top students, and I think this likely happened here in uh, the United States uh, in past decades, and perhaps in the Amish community is somewhat like this as well. One of the top students, she eventually uh, becomes a teacher. And also as being a woman and being in a position of responsibility and authority like that in the community is a significant thing. Uh, and so Bila is also a model for some of these girls you can see in the picture uh, in their schoolroom. Um, and I think that she too, in many ways, shines like a star in her community. And part of Mohammed's dream is to lift up people uh, like Bila uh, and change the community for the better uh, in, uh, in Territourine there in Chad. So we're called on as well to let each of us look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. I was, had the privilege of meeting these two uh, young uh, Muslim uh, women, uh, Samira and Arafa, uh, and they are uh, working with an organization called the Association for the Renaissance of Women, uh, a Muslim women's organization, um, and uh, not a formal MCC partner, but MCC has been relating to them uh, over the last couple of years as they just get started. And it's an interesting image here where we have uh, these two young women are educated, they're well-to-do, um, and they're part of an organization that wants to reach out and help marginalized women uh, and children. So again, looking to the interests of others and not to their own uh, interests. MCC was privileged to send the two of them to uh, the West Africa Peace Building Institute in Accra, Ghana, during the time that we were there. Uh, and they received uh, training and have come back to continue to build up uh, their organization. And so again, reaching across religious lines with people who share values, reaching out to the marginalized, working for peace and justice. And I think that Samira and Arafa uh, shine like stars as well. 
I had the pleasure at the church that I attended, this Lutheran Brethren Church, of uh, someone told me that, oh, there's a former IVEPR, MCC's International Volunteer Exchange Program uh, person, uh, alumnus uh, in this congregation. So I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Romain at the church. He was an IVEPR 25 years ago in Idaho in 1993-94. And I just want to note that uh, Kate Epp Weaver is planning to head off on SALT, we think, tonight in Nicaragua, based on her last rec- most recent uh, message. And I want to mention that Aloy and Becky also hosted uh, an IVEPR here uh, in our congregation from Colombia, you may remember, a few years ago. So the SALT program sends young adults around the world. The IVEP program receives them uh, in North America. So Romain is now a lay leader in his congregation. He works for the Ministry of Planning uh, in the Chadian government and also serves as an interpreter in his church, so I would often see him up front. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, that language you heard being sung, and the primary language of the congregation where I worship is a language called Mundang. Uh, the Mundang are an ethnic group in southwestern uh, Chad, right on the border area with, uh, with Cameroon. Uh, and so Romain translates from Mundang into French. Everything is translated uh, back and forth between those two languages in the congregation. And so it was inspiring to see, to meet now a man uh, close to my same age uh, who had been an IVEPR, done international service as a young adult, and continuing to actively uh, serve the church uh, in his capacity. So for me, Romain also shines like a star in the world. So I want to invite us uh, here in the middle of Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, we have what's called the Christ Hymn. Uh, Janice read it for us. Um, it is said that perhaps this was used and actually sung in the early church. Um, I don't know that this has been put to music uh, in our hymnal or in other resources that we use. But I'd invite us to read together as we are called on to imitate Christ's humility as followers of Christ. Um, what does it look like to imitate Christ's humility? And how do we understand the life of Christ and what that means uh, for us? So let's let's recite this together. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Are you thinking about those stars uh, in your world? Another star I met uh, while in Chad um, is Kaltuma Abdelkarim. This is her here. The woman in this photo next to her um, is Adam Elgoni. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get the name of the young man. Um, And I'll talk more about Yanni in a minute. But I want to talk about Kaltuma uh, here um, MCC is privileged to work with a Catholic partner called Sekadev uh, 
in extreme southern Chad, about 30 kilometers from the border with the Central African Republic. And I say here that Kaltuma is in the Jaco camp. Uh, she's in a camp because she is what they call a returnee from the Central African Republic. Uh, Chad is home to tens of thousands of refugees from the Central African Republic. There has been conflicts uh, in that country for some years. But it's also home to tens of thousands of what they call returnees, Chadians who had been living in the Central African Republic and were driven out. And in fact, the Chadian government finally said, we will help to repatriate you to Chad if you want to come. And the violence was bad enough that tens of thousands of Chadians returned to Chad from the Central African Republic. So I asked them, you know, you are called returnees. How long did you live in the Central African Republic? Um, an older man, Adam here, uh, said that he had been in the Central African Republic for about 35 years and returned to Chad. And Kaltuma said, remember, called a returnee, she was born in the Central African Republic, had never lived in Chad in her whole life. And yet she was still a Chadian and was forced to leave the only country she had ever known. And Kaltuma, you could see Kaltuma was an inspirational person uh, from the moment we entered this community, this camp in Jaco. All of a sudden we saw this woman running from another part of uh, the camp when she saw that Yanni and other Sekadev colleagues were there. Kaltuma is a bit of a leader in the community. Uh, she told us that the reason she wasn't there when we arrived was because a doctor had come on that day and was circumcising new baby boys that had been born. Uh, and then we were here, and Sekadev is doing water and hygiene work in the community. And so she had a list of priorities of problems with a pump in this part of the village and problems with other infrastructure. She was one of these people that are in charge, and you know it right when you meet them. Uh, you may again kind of look down the pew here and think of some people here who, who kind of take control of things and say, let's get things done uh, in our own community. So really inspiring, uh, a leader uh, in her own community, someone displaced from the only country she ever knew to a country she's called Chadian, but a country where she has never lived. It's possible these people will now settle permanently in Chad and sort of create a new community as people who have come back. So Kaltuma was a real uh, inspiration uh, to me. One of the things to note here, too, I think sometimes we have impressions of what we see around the world, and of course the, the Christian-Muslim dynamic in our world in the last perhaps 20 years or so particularly uh, has been significant, a point of tension. Uh, Kaltuma is Muslim, and virtually all of these people who have been chased from the Central African Republic are Muslim. Uh, Christians drove Muslims out of the Central African Republic uh, in large numbers. Uh, and so I think it's important to keep in mind that, unfortunately, as conflict happens, there are people who bring many different identities and um, dynamics to that, uh, to that situation. So in this case, it's Muslims driven out by Christians uh, back to their home country um, of Chad. This is a photo is a little bit hard to see. I hope the kids can see it because this is three kids uh, accessing water uh, in the Kobitai camp uh, in southern Chad again. Uh, I mentioned that our partner Sekadev is doing water and sanitation work. Um, and uh, one of the inspiring things about this work by Sekadev is that when these uh, returnees came to the country within the last five years or so, the government initially gave some funding uh, to Sekadev to help them do some of the work that they were doing. Uh, and then abruptly, the uh, government funding ended. 
Sekadev is a Catholic organization, and the story is told that their uh, board got together and said, you know, we have a moral obligation to care for these people. Uh, we were given this responsibility by the government, and whether the government gives us money or not, we have a moral obligation uh, to take care of these people. And so they've been putting together what they can, partnering with groups like MCC and others to continue to care for the water and hygiene uh, needs. So I would say this Catholic institution, Sekadev in Chad, uh, shines like a star through this commitment to helping children and families and communities access safe water uh, and safe hygiene. And by the way, this dynamic of displacement is not over. Even in recent months, more people have been displaced from the Central African Republic uh, to Chad. Another photo with Sekadev uh, colleagues, a little bit hard to see. Um, Eric Alain is here and Yanni is here, two staff uh, of Sekadev uh, in southern Chad. Um, as I mentioned, uh, they're doing this work. Uh, Eric Alain and Yanni have brought their families. They're not originally from this part of Chad. They've brought their families down to the community of Gore, which is a border community with the Central African Republic, um, and I would say humbled themselves uh, to come to a kind of a challenging and difficult place to live uh, because they're serving, uh, serving people uh, who are marginalized and who have been expelled from the only countries uh, they've ever known. So working with Eric Alain and Yanni and Sekadev has been, again, a motivation and an inspiration. And so Eric Alain and Yanni, for me, shine like stars. Near the end of the passage now that we read, uh, we come to the point where we're invited to shine like stars. Verses 14 and 15 say, Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. So as we've gone through Philippians 2, we've seen this call to imitate Christ's humility. We've seen what that means, and I've tried to share some stories from some people who are shining in my Chadian constellation and who continue to motivate and inspire me. I think here at East Chestnut and in the broader Mennonite Church in the United States and Canada, we know a little bit about murmuring and arguing. I think it's part of who we are, perhaps part of the human condition. But as you think about those people who shine like stars in your world, who do you think of? Who are the stars in your world? I should have photoshopped Isaac into this photo, unfortunately. He wasn't able to join us in Chad, but rest assured he has a credit with mom and dad to make something like this happen uh, in his life. But family members are among those who shine, I hope, uh, in our world. Uh, you know, we've lived in a house with teenagers. We know a little bit about murmuring and arguing. I think adults know a little bit about murmuring and arguing, too. We don't always uh, verbalize it, uh, but maybe in our heads. So who are those stars for you, who are those stars in your constellation, those who motivate and inspire? This is a photo of some of the people that I worked with uh, daily uh, during my time in Chad, uh, Claudia and Moltong uh, in the MCC Chad office, John uh, Matthew uh, in the house and compound, the new rep, Jean-Claude, uh, Beth and Ben, the area directors. And this is at the end of our time when uh, Anne and Maddie uh, were with me. And as we ourselves seek to reflect uh, Christ's light and shine, who are those who shine 
in your world? Who motivates and inspires? Again, is it someone from a story in the Bible? Certainly those are there. Is it an historical figure? Is it someone in this room with us today? Someone in your family? A colleague at work? One of the things about stars is that the darker the night, the more visible the stars are. The stars are there whether we realize them, whether we realize it or notice them or not. We know that light pollution can make the stars in the sky less visible to us, but they are there all the same. How do we see through that noise of light pollution, other noise in our lives, to recognize the stars for who uh, they are? This final photo, again, a little bit difficult to see all the people. In October, I had the pleasure of helping to organize a partner gathering for MCC and Chad. We had 19 people representing nine MCC partners. And I'll tell you, the stars were assembled uh, that week, a real constellation of stars, the Chadian stars that I had the privilege uh, and honor of working alongside. And I do think of my experience in Chad as a privilege and a gift to be able to do this um, alternative assignment from my normal uh, MCC work. So be motivated. Be inspired. Look for the stars all around you and keep reflecting the light of Christ to the world. Imitate Christ's humility and you will shine like a star.